In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic of restoring wholeness. Partnering with God by giving a hand up. This conversation was originally recorded in August of 2021. We want to remind you, Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. I took a couple of days off this week, so uh, I don't feel like I'm quite as prepared as I need to be. But I, but I'm also I'm I'm moved and uh, and stirred up. If I'm not uh, if I'm not passionate about it, then I normally can't generate much enthusiasm around it. But uh, uh, basically, so a lot of stuff is is happening in my life that I'm going to tell you a little bit about. Uh, so along with it. The way God always does in my life is he seems to bring things into my life right when I need them. And so this week in my devotional reading, I was in Acts chapter three, and it's a story that all of you will be familiar with, I think, uh, but, it, but it moved me in some new ways. And again, I want to invite you with uh, always to, to just be open to thinking about the text different than you've always thought about it. To me, there's power in that and, and often just really deep insight that I completely missed. Uh, so in Acts chapter three is the story where Peter and John are going to the temple in the middle of the afternoon at the appointed time to pray. And as they walk up to the entrance of the temple, uh, there is a, a paralyzed man being brought in by some friends to sit at the doorway or the entryway to the temple where every day he came to beg. And so just stop and think with me for a moment, the normalcy of his life. So this is just routine. It's normal. He gets, he gets placed at the entrance to the temple and he's there to beg. So the bottom line is, as we would say here in the States, he's a panhandler on the corner. And one of our challenges here in the States, and I'm sure you probably have it in the UK as well, is now we have many people that have become professional panhandlers uh, who don't really need the help, but they just, and, and so we're really cynical and skeptical. And Often, I can't tell you how many times I pull up to a corner where there's a panhandler and I don't want to, want to even make eye contact with the person, <laughs> right? Because, oh my gosh, if I make eye contact, they're going to they're gonna run over to the window and want me to give them something and I don't want to give them anything. And, and my, my cynicism and skepticism about their, their authenticity is just compounded. So imagine that, that there's this guy that really is paralyzed. He's not been able since birth, he's not been able to use his legs. And he's sitting there in my devotional reading. I, I read a couple of thoughts. His begging was an act of despair. He, he had no imagination that his condition could change. So we had, a, we had a beautiful imagination a while ago of all of us getting to go to Iceland. And uh, for most of us, 
we, we say, you know what, and that's not realistic. Come on, you know, that's never really going to happen. And, and so just imagine this guy coming to the gate every day, and, and basically, he's just there for survival. And Peter and John walk up, and the first thing that happens is they, they look at him. So as I'm tempted not to look at people often, especially people begging on the street corner like that, uh, the first thing they did was they noticed him and they, and they looked at him. And it's indicated in the, in the text. And, and really, if you want to read this, read all of Acts chapter 3. But what's indicated in the text is, and he was so busy panhandling, he didn't even notice them hardly. But they noticed him. And if you remember, uh, I, I, I don't know, I talk about it often, but one, one of my missional practices, especially when I, when I go to the convenience store or the grocery store or wherever I am and people are waiting on me, I always, as a missional practice, I look people in the eye and I call them by, by their name if they have a name badge on. And I just, I do that routinely. And last week I was in, uh, my wife had a birthday last week. And so I was in Walgreens buying a birthday card and I walk up to the counter and I call the, the young woman behind the counter by name. And, and for the first time ever, I don't think this has ever happened before. She said, well, sir, I'm at a disadvantage. I have a name tag on. You can call me my name. I don't know your name. And I said, well, I'm Ken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was. And, and. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. Yeah. And it was. And, and guess what? It was, it was pretty profound. I mean, uh, I didn't, I mean, okay. So what difference did it make? I don't know what difference did it make, but, but it made a difference that she wanted to know what my name was. So Peter and John are entering the temple with this guy that gets overlooked by hundreds, if not thousands of people begging for alms, a few drop coins in his basket. And, and, and by the way, the, the few, so I, I want to acknowledge the friends that bring him there every day. That's a big deal. And, and the people that actually drop money in his basket, that's a big deal. That's compassion. And that's mercy. So one of my favorite verses of scripture is Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you? But to love mercy, to seek justice, and to walk humbly with your God. And there's a difference between mercy and justice. And it's really important distinction. For me, mercy is being compassionate and dropping a coin in the plate. Justice is being restored to wholeness. And so Peter and John look at the guy and, and here's what, and, and they, they request of him. They say, please look at us, which is really interesting. That's the only place in scripture where it says anything like that to my recollection. And, and the guy, so what they want is his undivided attention. Would you please focus on us? And he focuses on them. And Peter says to him, uh, you know, I, I'd love to give you some money some gold or silver, but I don't have any. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the liberating king, rise up and walk. I've heard that story a hundred times. 
I don't know why it's moving me so much today. So again, I, I, I'm, I'm not criticizing my heritage, but I want to say in my heritage, that was all about, well, he got saved that day. You know, no, he didn't get saved, folks. He got restored to wholeness. He got healed. And Peter reaches out his hand and he takes the guy's hand and he stands him up. And the scripture says, and instantly his legs were healed. Well, guess what? This guy that had been paralyzed all his life, who's, who's now healed, begins to jump around and dance around and shout and, and offer praise to God. So in, in this story, I want to highlight several things that are standing out for me today, and, and, I'm, and I'm not done, so I'm going to keep, keep doing it. But Peter said, look at us. And from the text, folks, that's the only thing the beggar did. The beggar had no faith. The beggar didn't say, this is what I want. The beggar didn't say, please heal me. The beggar simply, when Peter and John said, would you look at me? He looked at them and, they, and he was healed. That's some pretty outstanding power. So the, the thing I want to highlight here is that, uh, again, there's a difference between acts of mercy and working for justice. So biblical justice is more about restoration uh, and restoration to wholeness, which y'all know is, is my thing. I just want to introduce you to this idea. If you've done module six, or if you've taken Faith Walking 301, you've heard this. But what I believe is in the, in the Beatitudes, when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, what I believe that means is that Jesus was saying, blessed are those who are wholeness restorers. Because the, the word wholeness comes from the word shalom, which is the Old Testament for peace. So when we see peacemakers, we think in terms of, oh, well, they're, they're just, you know, good peace. Often we think peacekeeping, and I'm not going to go into my whole deal around that. But I think this story is, a, is an example of, of peacemaking. So I believe Peter and John were peacemakers on that day because they restored through the power of Jesus, this man to wholeness. And later in chapter three, uh, it, it talks about that Jesus is the prince, not of peace in Acts three, but he's the prince of life. And what happened was, to use faith walking language, uh, this guy was restored to the fully alive life. Here he was begging. His life wasn't fully alive. He comes hopeless, just saying, okay, can I gather enough today to maybe have a meal or two and survive? And instead, the prince of life changes his life through two of his disciples. Now, folks, I don't know what you believe about miracles. So here's what I want to confess to you. Through, throughout my life, uh, I'm a realist. And unfortunately, I've become a skeptic often because 
people talk about, well, God does this and God does that. And, oh, God can perform a miracle. And I, be I believe it. I believe God can perform any miracle that God wants to perform. But I don't believe that God performs miracles on demand. Or, or that just, okay, just, okay, let me just snap my fingers and God performs a miracle. So, so this story is kind of out of the ordinary. I don't even find many occasions where Peter or John themselves performed a miracle like this, but they did on this occasion. And it's pretty profound. I think one of the points that I really want to invite you to think about is that God invites all of us to partner with God in helping people be restored to wholeness. And that is what it means to live a missional life. So how, how do I partner with God in the restoration of wholeness? In this story, it happened instantaneously, and it was a miracle, and it, and it came out of the blue, and it was powerful. So now I'm going to give you my cheesy little preacher line, but it's, but it's pretty cool, even though it's cheesy preacher line. So the beggar was looking for a handout, and I believe that living a missional life is helping people with more than just handouts, and sometimes that's all we can do is a handout. But what would it look like to move past the handout and give people a hand? So in, in this, and I'll, I'll come back to this, and I may even do it next week, but, but there's, there's a challenge in the story between the status quo and the Jesus way. The status quo leaves people where they are. The Jesus way liberates people uh, to wholeness in life. I'm, I'm not even, even going to go there today because I'm, I'm, I need to wrap up, and y'all are just going to have to tolerate my tears. But, but notice it was the faith of Peter and, and John that healed the man. It wasn't even his own faith. So it, it, go read the story later today or sometime this weekend, okay? Because it says, because then people began to ask, well, how did this happen? And they said, well, it's, it's because of our, our faith. In Jesus of Nazareth, the liberating king, the God who resides. It's our faith in God revealed in Jesus. And so I, I think it's really important to notice it was not even his own faith that healed him. It was the people that came alongside him and said, you may not even have faith, but we've got faith for you. And so living missionally and giving people a hand up means I've got faith for you when you don't even have faith for yourself. And that's pretty powerful. And so then later on in the text, um, he calls the people to repentance. We who have followed Jesus for a long time think our repenting days are over. And, and I, and I don't think so. I, I, I think, there's always more to repent from. And repent means to change your mind and reorder your life. And, and, and so repentance, and so they were inviting people, okay, change your mind about Jesus and reorder your life. And today, my own repentance is 
repenting from being so self-absorbed that I, that I don't see the beggars. A, a thought I had in this also, and this is part of my repentance, my repentance for my, for my lack of prayer. And, and by that, what I mean is specifically praying for people to be restored to wholeness and inviting the, the, the God revealed in Jesus to do the miraculous work. So, so I don't know how to do miracles. And, and as far as I know, I mean, you know, God has never used me for a miraculous moment like that. But what I can do is I can call upon that powerful God of miracles in prayer to do miracles in people. So all of my life, I heard this story is, is about, oh, well, it's, it's, it's about Jesus died on the cross for your sins and give your heart to Jesus in order to go to heaven and be saved. And it doesn't seem like that's really what this story, the, the context of the story is. Uh, the story is about a person being restored to wholeness. And that's my, my thing, because I think it's God's thing that God invites us all to partner with him in that. So that's the stuff I, I pulled some of the stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I've got three more pages of notes that I could give you. So now I'm going to tell you my story that I'm emotional about today. So some of you, if not all of you, have heard my story about uh, the young man that mows my grass and that uh, has been part of my life now for four years. Well, Tuesday, he moved in with us. So now he lives at our house, at least the story that I, that I and he, he's a good young man. Uh, he's 19, by the way, now. And basically, uh, he grew up in generational poverty. And so his, the people, his family, what family he has, basically said, well, you're, you're more than 18 now, so you're on your own. And you, so now you can't live here anymore. And I, I think the thing that I want you to hear is, and, and he's had, he's real, you know, I, I don't know anything about how he grew up. Okay. I, I just know the pieces that I have, but from my outside perspective, it appears as if he's really had no parenting his entire life. So can, can you imagine someone uh, being told, okay, it's, it's time for you to be a man now. We haven't really prepared you to be a man. We haven't really, I mean, he, he, he doesn't have a driver's license, doesn't know how to drive. He just got his social security card about two weeks ago. Uh, he just opened a bank account for the first time last week. Uh, he's got his first job now, uh, which is a little part-time night gig. Uh, and so all of, all of that's happening. And, and so this story hit me this week. Because I think it's an opportunity for us to give him a hand up for, for the miracle working of God to be at work in his life and, and actually give him a life. The status quo wants to leave him where he is. The status quo wants to, okay, you know, struggle all your life, get in trouble, go to jail, whatever. And I think what God is inviting us to do is to partner with God to say, we want him to have wholeness. Now, here's the deal. I can't make that happen. I can't do it for him. And he may decide tomorrow 
you know what, I'm done here, I'm, I'm moving on. But what my hope is, is that he will stay here long enough that as we partner with God, we can parent him a little bit and, and help him be better prepared for the world. Uh, in fact, I told him yesterday, my goal for you is complete independence. I want to help you learn what it takes to become a self personally responsible, functioning human being in the world. So I want, I want to say a couple of things related to it. One is, so, so I'm not taking on every person like him in the neighborhood. This is the one God has invited me to take on. Okay. So, so discerning and listening to who and where uh, God, and, and by the way, I've been building this relationship for four years and it came to this point Almost, I mean, literally overnight, he, he was in need. I mean, he, he was just going to be on the street or he was going to be in my house, you know, and uh, well, he was going to hang out with a friend for a couple more days. Uh, and so that's going on in our life. Uh, it's created. So in spite of all of that perspective, it's also created an enormous amount of new anxiety. Um. So number one, he hadn't been vaccinated. I've already had a conversation with him about vaccination, but he's afraid of vaccination. I mean, and that's just one thing. <laughs> just, okay, how are we going to do this? What's our role? What's our responsibility? My wife and I had a conversation this morning about, okay, what are we going to do? What are we not going to do? And all those kinds of things. I want to tie that story to the story of Peter and John uh, and the beggar, because I see my young friend, uh, though he's not begging, he's begging. And he's begging for uh, the prince of life to give him life and, and to have a chance. And I think God is inviting us to, to partner with him in it. And I want to say one more thing. So already a couple of people have said, oh, wow, that's so generous of you. That's so nice of you. And, and I hear all that. But, but here's what I want to say. I want to say, yeah, and for Christ followers, that shouldn't be a big thing. That ought to be the norm. And I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. And, and I'm not saying it in an ugly. I'm just saying I'm thankful that God has given me this opportunity. And it's extremely life-giving to feel like I am actually partnering with God uh, in a miracle, uh, just in a different kind of way. All right. I'm done. Thank you all for letting me share all that. So stir up anything for you? And if so, what? Well, it stirred a lot, lot up with me. I've been homeless. I've been on the street with children in tow after being abandoned, lost everything. And I remember going to, to shelter, trying to get into shelters, couldn't get into shelters, going to try to get help for food. And, and being forced to sit down and watch a religious video on salvation, despite my efforts of explaining to these people, I knew who God was, I knew who Jesus was, just to get a bag of tattered, worn out, rotten food. And um, I had to live like that for almost a year and living in cars, living wherever, eating cans out of cans. And it took one person to give me a hand up without a religious speech who gave me a wonderful job 
that I got to work at for three years before I got promoted. Mm-hmm. I got back on my feet. I, and then from there, it just, it, it just, just keeps going and going and going. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't because of my faith at that time, because I really mm-hmm. had given up, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but because that one person, so mm-hmm. I'm really touched by this story. And that's, that's how I've operated as well. When I was able mm-hmm. to, we used to take neighborhood teenagers in and shelter them i actually had one come back to me a few years ago who remembered us helping him mm-hmm. and uh, now he owns his own business mm-hmm. and so that is That's such awesome. a wonderful feeling to partner mm-hmm. like that with god mm-hmm. yeah thank you brenda that to me is just being the hands and the feet of jesus you know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because as as great as god is and having being saved and having the holy spirit sometimes it's not a matter of uh, you know, like Brenda was saying, sometimes it's not a matter of uh, pre- preaching to someone, just mm-hmm. be there, show up. <laughs> yeah, for sure, Leslie, for sure, exactly. And I think sometimes we get we get so caught up in that, you know, uh, I mean, so here's what I want to say, folks. Here's what I believe. I believe the gospel came to that man that day in the story of, of Peter and John. I believe the good news message of Jesus is you can be restored to wholeness in every dimension of your life. And he was restored that day in the physical dimension of his life and maybe in multiple other ways. And, and so the gospel was preached. That's what I believe. Tammy, what are you thinking? I know you're always thinking something. I love the scripture that you chose today. I love that you were moved in sharing the scripture portion with us. And then I, I love the personal story that you just shared with us. Um, when you first got choked up, Ken, uh, just in reading that story of the miraculous, of a physical healing, mm-hmm. and I heard you say that your faith tradition taught you that that was spiritual salvation. Right. You know that I dabbled through the charismatic world through my 20s and I heard the other. I learned mm-hmm. the, the the miraculous side of that. Claimed in Jesus' name, of course. You have to say the formula right. In right. Jesus' name, right. Walk. But um, but I I I I I I think we all resonate with that 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 choking feeling in our throat when we see God really really do stuff. Yeah, we all want that. I think that if you tap in, you have tapped into such a deep yearning in all of us to see, to really see the miraculous because mm-hmm. we know it intellectually. We know it. Mm-hmm. Some of us maybe have a little bit more hands on with seeing that I have, I have, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. I have seen miraculous. I know mm-hmm. it's real. I don't know why it's not more common but it's not. And mm-hmm. that, that, that can feed my, that feeds my own skepticism, the, in, the seemingly inconsistency of God's showing up. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't deny the fact that it's real and it certainly happens. And this is a beautiful, beautiful story and example of that. Mm-hmm. That said, when you start to apply it in real life, the wholeness that we also all yearn for. Um, I'm, I'm, 
I, I agree with you. We should all have a story like the one you just told of, of taking in a kid. And, and we should all speak people's name at the, at, at a, at a grocery store, as long as it's not, you know, insincere and goofy. Right. I mean, we've all had that right. too. Right. Like, like, don't use my name. You don't know me kind of, I mean, it just, it can get right. weird, but. Sure. But I, I love your, your attempt to, oh, not attempt, your missional living out of the values of faith walking are, are precious and beautiful and inspiring to us. Off this call, if you ever want to, I have a 19-year-old that we adopted as an 11-year-old who's absolutely messed up and how we have been, I do have actual real-life experience with the story you just told that um, we could, I'd love to swap stories sometime and maybe mutually encourage each other because our we have a kid right there. Yeah. We were, we were his 10th home mm. in 10 years, had already been adopted. And, I mean, we, the whole messed up thing. And um, you hit a couple of, the, and we we use the language of, we want to grow you into, into independence. If we're doing our job right, you'll be a a successful adult on your own. Right. Here's some, here's some benchmarks. And you mentioned the driver's license and a bank account and getting a job. And there's some really practical things to help launch mm -hmm. a kid into young adulthood successfully. Yeah. So I love that you're thinking practical in that, in that way. That was a long list of thoughts, but you, got, <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> so, I knew so you had things. some. I knew you did. Yeah, yeah, I love it. No. I just love it. Thank you for all of Thank that, you. Ken. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I think one of the things, group, that I that I and I, I want to say this, and maybe I'm getting getting more clear about it. I believe in the power of God, and I believe that God does miraculous stuff. I think God does that randomly and mostly infrequently. And I too don't understand why that's the case. And, and I'm really skeptical about those that make formulas up that say, okay, here's the formula for getting God to do what you want God to do, because I don't believe that works and I don't see that happen. Uh, and, and I think when we do that, when we make this formula up and then say, oh, this is the way God always works, that, that then when God doesn't work in that way, it gets in the way of people coming to faith instead of helping them in their faith. Uh, I think we need to be more honest about, about, about okay, the, the, you know, and, and instead of saying, okay, here, here are the things that God says, and here's my life experience, so therefore there must be sin in my life, or there must be a lack of faith in my life, because I'm not yet, instead of that, saying, okay, what if God's different than what I thought he was, and what if God works in ways that are not what, what my expectations are? I just think we need to be more honest about our conversations about that stuff. I think that's that's more attractive and appealing to people than when we have all the all these perfect answers that don't seem to fit reality. Sometimes I don't know if I'm clear on any of that, and it doesn't matter. That's that gets stirred up in me, Michelle. Um, so I I do a lot of teaching of our ministry team on how to pray for people and how to pray for healing, all that sort of thing. And the one thing I say to them over and over 
like it's it doesn't it's not our job to heal anyone it's not our job to you know we don't do that um but what we can do is love that person and yeah. it doesn't matter if they go away in the same state that they came mm-hmm. they need to go away knowing that they're loved mm-hmm. and so if you can't love a person when you pray for them and minister to them yeah don't don't do it you know yeah. um yeah. and that's yeah that's so important um and the other thing um and this always moves me i can remember having a conversation with you quite early on um about how you used my name so much when you spoke to me and it just totally freaked me out like i've never had someone <laughs> use my name like that and it and it feels it felt so weird and it took it took a long time to to know that that was a beautiful thing that like to be called by my name it was like jesus saying my name like calling me and yeah even now even like every time you say oh i use a person's name it just it it impacts me so much because i can't i don't remember very often when my dad or my mum would call me by my name not my proper name like they'd call me other things um and and nice things as well like it wasn't all horrible things but yeah it just like the power of that for someone is huge and i I just wanted to say thank you you probably don't realize how much it means Mm -hmm. but it meant a huge amount (laughs) thank you michelle i appreciate that thank you yeah i think there's so many different facets and aspects of that come to mind but this week I've been really thinking about if I had no faith and I was invited to go to church into a Christian community what would make me want to go back Mm -hmm. if I had no faith and that would be to be seen and to be heard Mm. and to feel value Mm. and acceptance and love. And I do what you do when I go into the supermarket. I always call the the Mm -hmm. cashier by their name and usually strike up a little conversation as they're Mm -hmm. turning up and what have you. And I just think that that says, I see you and I I hear you Mm -hmm. and I value you. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, when you come into a Christian community without any faith, you need that. In the that's, it's like that's the step onto knowing where you are, and the possibility of being able to envision a God that sees, hears, and loves you even more, who has mm-hmm. a journey and a plan for you, and being able to catch glimpse of that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're doing for this young man. And I'm going to get tearful because I think it's, gosh, we should do these things. That he is seen, he's heard, he's valued. And, yeah, and he's loved. Um, that's just one of the things that came to me. So you, you're opening a doorway for him. He can step through it or not. Mm-hmm. But hopefully what he feels yeah. in his heart is are all of these things. Um, 
also what comes to mind is lord break my heart for what breaks yours mm-hmm. you know we get them at the traffic lights um you know beggars at the traffic lights looking for money and they work in groups it's mm-hmm. like a little business you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but isn't it just like other people calling wolf for other people and then you mm-hmm. get somebody that's genuine and it's like lord give me the ability to discern the genuine yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah. much much more going on inside <laughs> my head at the moment but i understand thank you so much for sharing what you shared yeah thank yeah. you max thank you very much all right pastor john give us a word <laughs> um I recall um, hearing about a missionary um, working in a particular country and he w- they were working um, quite hard and nothing, little or nothing appeared to be happening. And the chap was quite uh, discouraged. And then what happens is he goes, he has a break and he goes away. For, I don't know, if it was, I can't remember if it was on furlough or for a few weeks or something like that. But while he's away, a real move of God breaks out mm. and then, and he hears about it and he gets a bit resentful and all that sort of thing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyway, what happens is he comes back and it's still, things are still moving on, but the difference, and what the, this is the interesting thing. He didn't say anything any different. He didn't change his style of preaching, a, a great anointing, didn't come upon him but he was saying exactly the same things but this time god was moving mm-hmm. what you know there was no sort of it's 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 the god explanation which and there was no human explanation for that mm-hmm. and i think we need to perhaps take things uh say maybe take something from that in the fact that the, the, one of the key things that we are called to do is to be faithful um, yeah. in what God has called us to do. Um, interesting thing, um, and I've never seen this, I've never noticed this before, Ken, when you were talking about uh, this story in Acts 3. I may be wrong on this, but in a great number of the cases where Jesus did healing, he would say, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they would say, Lord, I might be healed, I might receive my sight. But on this, okay, so there's no indication that Peter and John said, what do you want us to do? They took the initiative. Mm-hmm. They saw a need. Mm-hmm. Say, well, and they, and they moved in there. So just, just, two, just two takeaways from that that really mm-hmm. reminded me of that. And mm-hmm. the, the, the final point is what Jesus said about the, the, you know, the last day, the sheep, the sheep and goats. It's, not, it's, it's often in the compassion and the small things and the things that don't necessarily mm-hmm. get seen by other people. And people say, well, when did we see you, poor Lord? When did we see you homeless? Mm-hmm. And it's as much as you, you know, and it's that sort of thing. We all do a little and together we get to get it all in that way. Yeah, it's yeah. very good. Good. Good word, John. Thank you, sir. Evelyn? Yeah, the, the thing that strikes me uh, that we haven't mentioned, and I'm sure you've noticed, is that the, according to the text, this man was taken there every day. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was like you said; it was not unusual. It was every day, 
Mm-hmm. I can't help but wonder how many times Peter and John might have already seen him. Mm-hmm. How many times would they have already <laughs> gone to prayer in the middle of the afternoon? That was the, that was the call for prayer. Right. And they were observant Jews, so they probably had seen him before. So that raises the question in my mind, Lord, how did they know this was the day? Mm. How did they know mm-hmm. this was the time to say something to him? to to reach out to him you know and and it it kind of to me speaks to your uh, the thing with the panhandlers on the uh on the corner you know it's not our job every time we pass them Mm -hmm. to meet their every need that's Mm -hmm. that god doesn't call us to do that but lord what do you want me to do if anything right now does that make sense yeah absolutely evelyn absolutely uh, the way I, I talk about that in, in our faith walking content is I talk about it's our job to discern God's invitation. And, and so, uh, and, and God isn't always inviting us to join with God, but there are those moments. And so am I living my life in such a way that I can discern when God invites me to join with God? Yeah. And then the flip, the flip side of that, of course, is we're supposed to always be scattering seed. Of course. <laughs> of so course. There's a balance there. It's not yeah. that you ignore people. Right. You know, I'm not right. sure what that balance is, but there is a balance there. Yeah. No, I totally get it. Seed. Yeah. And, and for me, the, the scattering seed is calling the people by name every day at the grocery store. Right. I, I, exactly. God hadn't invited me into any of their lives yet. Right. Okay. Uh, this young man knocked on my door one day four years ago with another young man that I know who introduced us, and 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 that's and that was God's invitation. Right. Uh, so you're exactly right. Uh, it's it's just yeah we we constantly are living life as representatives of the kingdom, and. And then we are, we are discerning those moments when God says, okay, and this relationship, I want you to go further with. Right. Yeah. Great points. Great. Thank you for that. You know, in those stranger encounters at the grocery store that you keep referring to, I I am suspecting that there are two really powerful things happening there. One is the the power of using somebody's given name, like Mm -hmm. Michelle mentioned. There's just something so personal and deep and there's power in that. But the second is I I suspect, and you haven't said this, that when you say somebody's name, you are looking them straight in the eye, Mm -hmm. right? And now Mm -hmm. we're right at the text, verse four, Peter looks straight at him. Mm -hmm. So it's two opportunities for the spirit Mm -hmm. in me to connect with the spirit in them and Mm -hmm. move in a powerful way. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful practice. It, it is, Tammy, and, and I, I, I'm sure I've used this language before, but, I, but I'm stirred to, to say it again. And what I believe is in that moment when I look them in the eye and call them by name, the kingdom comes in that moment. Because when the kingdom comes, everybody's looked in the eye and everybody's called by name. And so I am a foretaste of the kingdom by doing that small act. But but you want to talk about motivating? I mean, that's get up and go music for me when I say, okay, 
And, and guess what? Every time I do that, the kingdom comes in that moment. Wow. Can I, can I share something? Yeah. If, if there's time. <laughs> yeah. Um, How long but, is it going to take? Well, hopefully not that long. <laughs> okay. Tell us. But what y'all are talking about, uh, you know, so I have a, I had a particular encounter because I was on a mission trip in Greece. Um, we went to where refugees would hang out and kind of sit in a, sit in a square outdoor square. And I was kind of coached by one of the partners who's a translator who speaks Farsi. And I, you know, I don't speak Farsi and it was a woman from Afghanistan. Um, and because it was two males, I was the only female. So evangelism is not my gift. <laughs> so he's like, but they're not going to talk to males. You have to go over there. And so I did. And through, through his help, I went by myself first, asked if she spoke English, which she said very little. And, um, but yeah, we introduced ourselves. She said her name. I said my name. Um, I didn't walk this woman to Jesus. I'm sure she's probably Muslim. But I think an American woman in a, in a square in Greece with all refugees, that's going to stand out, you know? And so I just pray that at some point, something comes mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 If I just may say, feeding into that, what Leslie just said, one of the things that I've found particularly um, in engaging with internationals and especially with Muslims is to ask them what their name means. And that I've often found that is a, a very much a lead-in. Uh, I'm having a mm. conversation when I go into my local Tesco store. Now, my name, and perhaps even find out what your own name means in Urdu or in Farsi or whatever. So, for example, my name is Yahya. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the Quranic Muslim equivalent. So I, I speak to this guy, Wazim. Uh, and so he said, oh, what's your, you know, he was doing me a, uh, we was, were sorting something out. And I said, oh, my name is Yakya. And he says, oh, that's the name of my son. And mm. it's, it's John. And I said, yeah, it's the same, it's the same as John, uh, uh, John the Baptist and John who wrote part of the Angel. So you're straight in there. So just a little thing there, you know, find mm -hmm. out perhaps what your own name means in the language of the people that you're speaking to and ask them what their name means. And so many of them are actually have got a biblical connotation. It might mean star, it might mean beautiful, it might mean bright, mm -hmm. but it is, a, it's, I've certainly found it a road in. Mm -hmm. Awesome. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us backslash donate. Thank you for listening.